O God, the festive sounds of this Noel season. We look forward to it year after year after year, and yet, Holy Father, do we become a bit encrusted to it all? Is the mystery gone? This season, please, enter into our journey and find us with hearts, doors wide open for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I don't want to be the Grinch who stole Christmas. Have you heard about him? Oh, you know about him, that pitiful little creature created by the fertile mind of Thomas Geisel, better known to millions of children and readers as Dr. Seuss. You do know him, don't you? Who, by the way, has written so many books that posthumously now the number stands at over 220 million of his books on this planet in 15 languages. It was Dr. Seuss who wrote the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The book begins with these words. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Who wants to be the Grinch who stole Christmas? I don't, and neither do you. And yet, and yet, you think about it. Here we have come to this time of year, Christmas intended to be, or at least we can say, the event that Christmas celebrates intended to be the most counter-cultural event in the history of the human race, bar none. I mean, you think about it, the very antithesis, the very opposite to what the, the literati of the day would have suspected, or at least suggested, could they have written the story? I mean, look, if you're going to have, if you're going to have a God come down to earth, and the Greeks had a gaggle of them, then at least let him, at least have him come to earth befitting his divine station in life. President George W. Bush. You followed the story, didn't you? Just a few days ago, paid a state visit to our cousins over in jolly old England. The first state visit ever by a United States president to the United Kingdom. And my, oh my, not only was the security unprecedented, but so was the pomp and circumstance. Did you follow that at all? And then there he was that night in tails and tie, the president of the United States, who raised his A&W root beer. You knew that, didn't you? You didn't know that. Yep. President George W. Bush, God bless him, does not drink a drop of alcohol anymore. And so his champagne glass that night was filled with root beer. I just made up the A&W part. So there's the president standing beneath a thousand glittering chandeliers in opulent 
Buckingham Palace to toast the very Queen of England. And there it was, ladies and gentlemen. We were witnesses with our own eyes to a coming and a welcoming fit for a king. Oh, how countercultural the story of Christmas and the coming of another king, an exponentially greater king on a state visit from another kingdom, an exponentially greater state visit. I want to go back to that story, that old, old story, in a new, new setting. Open your Bible, please. The Christmas story according to St. Paul. Open your Bible, please, to the tiny little New Testament epistle called Philippians. Philippians. Chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'll be reading today from the New Revised Standard Version. Let's pick it up, this Christmas story. Let's pick it up in verse 3. Paul writing. Writing from prison, by the way. Paul writing, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Verse 4, Let each of you look at your own interests, not to your own interests rather, but to the interests of others. Verse 5, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, verse 6, Though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied, verse 7, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, in a box of cow feed. Now, I added that last phrase. Away in a manger. Hmm? Away. Do you know that one? Away in a manger. Sing it with me. No crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down His Sweet head, the stars in the sky, look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, at this very moment, we are gazing upon the infant face of the God King of the universe. A king who could have surely chosen Buckingham Palace to lay down his head, or at least Caesar's pantheon for his bed, but instead, and here is the grand countercultural mystery of Almighty God. He shows up instead. In a box of Calfreed. No entourage. Nothing but a vagabond carpenter and his young second wife. No security guard there. Nope. Nothing but a ragtag motley band of shepherds. No paparazzi press to record the event. Just a few stinky, curious barnyard critters. And Emmanuel is born. God with us. Wow. Christmas is the great countercultural mystery of Almighty God. William Blake the great poet just tried to capture the incarnation with these, with these poignant words. For now, mercy has a human heart, pity a human face, and love the human form divine, and peace 
the human dress. Let me read it again with you. Verse 5, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness in a box of cow feed. You think about it, ladies and gentlemen, not even his parents were that countercultural. They at least hoped for a motel bed. If not in the Holiday Inn, then please get us a bed in Econo Lodge. But instead, what do they get? Backyard, barnyard. What a God. A God who could have been born in the White House chooses instead to be born near the outhouse. What a God. I don't mind reading it again. Verse 5, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness in a box of cow feed. Now look, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be the Grinch. I want to be the Grinch that stole Christmas, but does this make sense to you? Come on, you're bright minds. Wrestle through the logic of this with me, will you? Please. Seems like a bit of rather biting holiday irony to me. Because look, here is Christmas. The, celebrating the greatest countercultural event in human history. And what do we do? We, meaning you and I, the people of God. How do we celebrate this? This is the, the astounding, the most astounding of ironies. And that is when the people of God celebrate the birth of Jesus. Isn't it ironical that we celebrate this countercultural event and truth by, by mimicking our fallen culture to the hilt? What an irony. I mean, you think about it. Isn't it something... That this most spiritual of all holy days, on it we Christians choose instead to mimic the culture, this countercultural holy day. We celebrate it by mimicking the culture more than any other time of the year. What's up with that, huh? What's up with that? Check it out. Take, for example, think about our culture for a minute. Take, for example, our culture of blatant consumerism. The word is in, by the way, last weekend, the most spectacular and successful shopping opening to the Christmas season weekend they have ever had. Wow. I'll tell you what, you can count on it. This season alone, Seventh-day Adventist Christians will run up astounding credit card debts in the tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know why? Just to follow the Pied Piper of Wall Street or Walmart, they say spend, and so we spend and spend and spend. But this is what I've been trying to figure out. I've been asking people this last week. Who is it that came up with this idea? That in order for us to prove our love for each other, we have to go in debt. To make sure the message gets through. And all of it in the celebration of the birth of the impoverished Christ child. Who came up with this? Have you heard? Just because some wealthy magi left three expensive gifts at the baby's pink toes is hardly a divine command for us to go and do likewise. 
In fact, you think about it. The manger of Bethlehem was the greatest anti-consumerism statement God could have possibly made by rejecting the accoutrements of wealth and choosing to be born instead in abject poverty. Isn't it something that this most countercultural of all spiritual holy days, on it, we Christians choose instead to mimic the culture the most we do any time in the year. What's up with that? Take, take, take another aspect of our culture. Our culture, put it up on the screen, of runaway appetites. Madison Avenue, through its media advertisements, has drummed it into our brains that when, Christ, when Christmas comes, you're supposed to eat and eat and eat and eat, even if you don't drink and drink and drink and drink. Whatever is served, whenever it's served, night and day, you just keep eating because it's Jesus' birthday. Wow. And if your poor little abused tummy revolts, then take the purple pill and just keep right on eating. And so we do. The Pied Piper with his enchanting holiday bewitchment. He says, eat. So we eat and eat and eat. Hog wild over Christ's birth. <laughs> oh boy, Dwight, you are the Grinch that stole Christmas. Get that guy out of here, will you? How much time does he have left? Isn't it something, ladies and gentlemen, that on this most countercultural of all spiritual holidays, we Christians choose to celebrate it by mimicking the fallen culture more than at any other time in the calendar year? Take, for example, the culture, this culture of unbridled entertainment. Hollywood intentionally releases its blockbuster movies just in time for the holidays, saturating the radio and television airways with their movie trailers. And we line up, if we don't have chutzpah to stand in front of a theater, we will line up at blockbuster video counters. Now, don't we? That's the vegetarian theater. We line up so that we can while away our Christmas nights and days, celebrating the birth of Thou shalt call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. I repeat, isn't it something? That on this most countercultural of all spiritual holy days, we Christians choose instead to mimic the culture more than any other time of the year. Good grief! Dwight, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge, you are the Grinch that stole Christmas. I know how you feel, my friend. And I am not trying, look, I am not trying to ruin anybody's holiday. But living on the edge of eternity, as I firmly believe we are, won't there come a time, come on, we got a platform full of young adults here, will there not come a generation that will challenge or at least scrutinize and evaluate some of our most cherished traditions and practices. Hmm? We are supposed to be a people raised up to prepare the world for Messiah's second coming. Is that reflected when we remember His first coming? Hmm? Do you really believe... Let's, let's do a quiz. This is to get you ready for the finals coming up. Let's do a quiz. Is do you really believe that Jesus is honored by our blatant consumerism? Raise your hand if you believe that he is. Do you really believe that Jesus is honored by our runaway appetites? Put it up. Put it up. 
How many here really believe that Jesus is honored by our unbridled entertainment? Put your hands up. And all of it in this season when theoretically at least we are reflecting upon His birth. Ladies and gentlemen, all I am saying is that perhaps the time has come for us to recalibrate the way we celebrate or do not celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially in the light of the soon coming of the same Lord. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean we have to. God's calling for a people. Hey, come on, come on. God is calling for a people at the end of time who will draw nearer and nearer and nearer to Him. A people who have the mind of John the Baptist? No, 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 no. A people who have the mind of Jesus. That's who. Read it again. Verse 5. Philippians 2. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness in a box of cow feed. This Christmas, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm glad you said that. Why? Come on. Didn't Jesus go to parties? Yep, He sure did. And I plan to go to a few Christmas parties myself. In fact, we had our small group over to our house this last week. I tell you, it is so wonderful to be a part of a small group. If you're ever given an opportunity to join a small group, don't pass the opportunity by. So we had our whole small group over to our house surrounded by Christmas decorations. We played an icebreaker game in which you had to describe yourself in five different ways. Write it down. No name on the cards. Turn all the cards in. Then I read the cards. And we tried to guess who in the group was being described. I want to tell you something. I have not laughed so hard all this fall. There's nothing wrong with having good, clean fun. Jesus went to parties. Much to the chagrin of the pickle-faced Pharisees, by the way. Listen, my friend, you, you go to the parties, of course. You don't have to, however, eat and drink everything they serve. You don't have to watch everything they put on to wrap up the last three hours of that party. But like Jesus, you can hang around people that God loves and love them the very same way. Sure. In fact, hey, listen, you want to get yourself off the hook? This isn't rocket science. Have the party in your place. You set the agenda. Why not? There's a radical thought. I plan to enjoy a party or two this holiday, but, but, I want the mind of Jesus in my partying because then I will mind Him. This Christmas, let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Ah, oh, come on, Dwight. Didn't Jesus enjoy good food? Oh, yes, he did. To the place right-wing conservatives called him a glutton and a drunkard. Of which, of course, he was neither. Then can I enjoy some Christmas sweets? You certainly may, as long as they're made out of soybeans and carobs. No problem. What's the problem? <laughs> oh, brother, did you have to bring that up? <laughs> Chicago Tribune carried an editorial the other day, and South Bend Tribune wisely ran it so that we could read it in this here neck of the woods. It's entitled, If You Bring It, They Will Eat It. 
If your office is anything like ours, and we suspect every office is, and by the way, I've been in the dormitory, this is just like a dormitory room, there's a floating smorgasbord of food available almost any hour of the day or night. Isn't that true? This is not just from vending machines or the company cafeteria, even though those are prime sources. No, we're talking about all the food that our fellow employees so thoughtfully bring in to share, setting up spreads wherever there's a free desk surface and a cluster of hungry colleagues. Holidays like like Halloween bring an avalanche of leftover candy. Christmas tends to yield a surfeit of cakes, pistachio nuts, and tins of popcorn. Now listen up. Such largesse is usually welcome. And those who bring the feast to the office are often lauded. Now a confession. Many of us, many of us tote these confections to the office so we don't eat too much of the stuff at home. The belief supported by years of empirical evidence is that no matter what it is, if you bring it, they will eat it. Ladies and gentlemen, who says you have to eat it? Just because they serve it, you don't have to consume it. Come on, be a man. Be a woman. Take care of your own body temple. Nobody else is going to look out for that body temple that has been entrusted to you for a few short years. You take care of it. Oh, yes. I plan to enjoy, just like Jesus, some party food this holiday, but I want the mind of Jesus in my dining and my snacking because then I will mind Him. This Christmas... Let that mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Well, come on, Dwight. Didn't Jesus come? Ah, Jesus gave gifts, did He not? Well, I'm not too clear on that one, but I do remember that He gave His whole life for the whole world. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus did receive gifts from people, from uh, five loaves and two fishes. Or was it two loaves and five fishes? You go home and do a little Sabbath afternoon research and you just determine which way it really is to go. But from five loaves and two fishes all the way to a pricey, long-necked bottle of perfume given to Jesus. And he took the gift. Nope. I plan to give gifts this Christmas, but I refuse to go into debt over those gifts. I refuse. And you don't have to either. I don't care what Madison Avenue is trying to chant into your consciousness. Forget it. Last Sabbath afternoon, Thanksgiving holiday weekend, I had the privilege of joining our Andrews students going door-to-door to door in Benton Harbor. Few of us were going door to door just asking people, what might we pray for? A young mother met us at the door, and when I told her we were from Andrews and we were here to pray, she said, oh, come on in. She took us in. She took us in right by the Christmas tree. And then I saw it up on the shelf. Five, four, eight by ten color photographs of her children. And she said, I'm, I'm having my fifth child in March. What can we pray for? Mother, she said, oh, I, I wish you would pray that God would give my children a special Christmas. And so we prayed. Want to give gifts this Christmas? Why not? Do you know what? There are probably people who are needier than your own flesh and blood. Next Sabbath, if you're around, 
It's our annual children's celebration of Christmas, and we're going to be collecting toys for children. And those toys are going to be distributed across this county by our police here in Berrien Springs and Orinoco Township. Now, please, when you bring your gifts, don't wrap them. They have to know what's inside. So just bring it in the box that you bought it in. Bring it both services next Sabbath. And the police of Berrien Springs will distribute them. I, I love the typo that appeared last Sabbath in the Bolton insert. I noticed that it got corrected today. Last Sabbath it said, bring your gift toys that will be disturbed by the Berrien Springs Police Department. Now, I happen to know Chief Jim Kestake, he's a friend of mine. I want to promise you, they will not disturb those gifts. They will distribute them on your behalf. Certainly let us give gifts this Christmas. But, 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 I want the mind of Jesus in my gift giving because then I will mind Jesus. This Christmas, remember... Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness in a box of cow feed. A C.C. Christmas. What's that? A counter-cultural Christmas where Jesus is invited. I want to end by reading a little clipping that I pulled out of my file. I'm sorry I don't remember where this came from or who even. But let me read this in closing. Two women who were dressed in their finest were having lunch together in a very exclusive restaurant. A friend saw them and came over to their, to their table to greet them. What's the special occasion, she asked. One of the women said, Oh, we're having a birthday party for the baby in our family. He's two years old today. But, but where's the baby, the friend asked. The child's mother answered, Oh, I dropped him off at my mother's house. She's taking care of him until the party's over. It wouldn't have been any fun with him along. How ridiculous. A birthday celebration for a child who wasn't welcome at his own party? Hmm. Let's pray. Oh Christ, among the tinsel trees and toys are many signs of Christmas joys. But where's the Christ whom God sent down who laid aside His throne and crown? Oh, Jesus, please. If for the first time, then at least this Christmas, please, Jesus, won't You come in to our hearts? Amen. And Amen.